What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DFS MVP. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my trusty co-hosts, if you're watching, you see uh, Daigle is uh, getting ready to uh, take a picture for his new dating profile. Uh, we got Karain on the road now that he's in San Diego. He doesn't stay inside anymore. Uh, so it looks a little bit different, but we're going to keep on uh, rocking like normal. Uh, what's up, boys? How you feeling? A man gets one free night per week and then is forced to push back dinner. So we do this show and then we literally run out the door afterwards. But we're still ready for it. It's okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah, working thanks on Thanks everybody my, uh, for coming in. <laughs> my scheduling skills here. Uh, not, not very professional of me to be from the car here but you you got to be the worst this CEO. operation is i'm perfectly framed in this box right now i mean the the, yeah, the, pretty legit. the it's production pretty legit. quality is amazing we're we're four weeks in and we've rescheduled twice because of you you've got to be the worst ceo of all time Karen <laughs> is getting used to that that sweet sweet uh west coast time zone life so we will forgive him yeah. uh thank you to uh all the listeners and viewers uh that that let us push back a little bit uh but that's just more time to uh prep for everybody as we mentioned every single week uh partnered with Karen uh and his fantastic site legendary upside if you subscribe to that you get the rundown every single week uh like the most detailed breakdown of the week you're going to get matchups wise uh we cover it pretty in depth as we go throughout these games uh but every single week Karen has a uh a player that he likes to highlight before we jump into it. Uh, your highlight guy this week, your cover boy this week was uh, Justin Fields. Um, any thoughts on Fields before we hop into the game by game? Obviously, a lot of news around the Bears, um, and I mean just his uh, his fantasy outlook. Like we know what's going on from real football. What's up with them um, as a fantasy dude right now? Yeah, I mean this is not uh, like a organization or a situation that seems like especially fun right now, but. It's that they're going against the Broncos. They're, you know, they actually did start to use him in design runs last week for the first time this season. We had this weird situation last week where he wasn't really used much as a rusher to begin the season, and then they kind of realized they needed to do that, hoping they have that same realization. Again, I particularly like him for DFS because the floor is really, really low. It might just be kind of a lost season, but the ceiling is very high. I mean, he was like a slate breaker last year and he's not particularly expensive now. So, uh, you know, where the, the gains are really outsized in DFS, I'm willing to take on the risk. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a, a good dude to lead the show with because this is a pretty funky week in DFS. Um, you know, starting building uh, cash game articles and lineups this morning, there isn't a, a cut and dry um, way to build. Uh, and that will bleed over into GPPs. And it's also funky because usually we have the most popular games uh, or the, the, the highest scoring games of the week are the most popular. And that isn't the case this week because um, just the way pricing works out, it's just, it just really interesting. Uh, before we get into it, remind everybody that we have partnered with The Solver. Uh, the Solver is the best lineup optimizer in the game. If you are already a 4 for 4 subscriber, just uh, upgrade your package to The Solver subscription monthly plan and everything from four for four ownership projections uh obviously fantasy projections floor ceiling automatically synced up to the solver uh so get you building those gpp lineups correct and if you 
haven't signed up for four for four yet, use the promo code YouTube to get 25% off. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, as we've been doing every single week, going game by game, and we'll start with what should be the biggest shootout of the week, the Bills versus the Dolphins, 53.5 point over under. Bills favored by three. Uh, Karen, I'll start with you again. Uh, the Bills side is interesting because – I mean, we got Diggs. He's the man there. Josh Allen's pretty expensive. So if you fit them together, um, obviously you're, you're paying quite a, a premium, but obviously for an insane upside. The thing about that upside is Dolphins are really good at, at one thing. on de- Well, they're good at a few things, but the thing they're most known for in defense is limiting the deep ball. So kind of caves, Kate takes Gabe out of the, the mix for us a little bit. Um, you mentioned in your write-up today that the, the tight ends are basically splitting time. Is James Cook the best bet after Stephon Diggs uh, this week? And, and is there anything else that you're seeing in the Bills offense? I think James Cook probably is the best bet. Um, and I, yeah, I think this, like this defense was kind of like built to stop teams like the Bills specifically. So I think you're going to have to see like Josh Allen is going to have to kind of matriculate the ball downfield and, you know, take what the defense is giving him. Like, that's what the Dolphins are going to be challenging him to do the whole game. He has been very consistent, though, Josh Allen, this year. And I think he I think he can rise to that challenge. I think James Cook will be a big part of that, not just as a receiver, but as a rusher. I was impressed um, looking last week at his success rate in NFL Next Gen's uh, player tracking stats, showing that, you know, he was a little bit more consistent than he's been so far in his career as a rusher. And I think that's really important for a young running back like James Cook, that they can actually like lean on him a little bit more. You know, he's kind of doing what he's asked to do within the structure of the offense. Uh, I think that's pretty bullish for a matchup like this. So I think he's definitely very interesting this week. I also think the tight ends are kind of interesting, particularly Kincaid is like, this is why they drafted Kincaid, like to be able to attack defenses that, are going to make them do this. And so it's been kind of a, a little bit of a rough ride the last couple of weeks with Kincaid and the tight ends and, you know, the snap shares and stuff have been all over the place. So, um, but they've not been in super competitive environments against defenses that are really built to stop kind of the classic fun bills. And this defense is a Vic Fangio defense. Like it's the, it's, it's the like prototype. So I think Kincaid is also pretty interesting, but cook, uh, you know, a pretty high upside way to play it. Yeah. It's going to be tough to, if you're like trying to game stack this game and you are on that kind of build, like, like Josh Allen um, with Diggs and, and maybe one of the tight ends or, or with James cook, it's going to be tough to bring back one of the expensive ringbacks. Um, Waddle's active and obviously Tyreek is crazy expensive, but also like the, the MVP of the league right now. Uh, but that's taking up a lot of salaries. So Daigle, I want to ask you about something you and Paulson talked about on yesterday's most accurate podcast. And that is the Miami backfield. Cause obviously they go crazy last week, you know, 70 total points. They combine for eight touchdowns. Um, but most certain HN looks like it might be a 50, 50 split at least till Jeff Wilson comes back. The Bills defense has been a run funnel second in schedule just to points allowed to quarterbacks, 19th versus running backs. But uh, HN is way cheaper than Mostert on both sides, a gap between $1,200 $1,400. Uh, so are, are you touching this Miami backfield this week? I'm interested in Mostert because of the way huh? both psychologically and peripherally Mostert pops ahead of HN. Just the fact that he's cheaper and a rookie. Mm-hmm. 
those two caveats are going to make him high rostered. But sure. Mostert is the one that gets there and has multiple ways to get there, given yeah. that he had six targets to A-Chan's one in the first half. He outtouched A-Chan 13 to 11, and A-Chan did outcarry him 10 to 7 in those first two quarters. But again, especially when we're talking about on DraftKings and the fact that he's $800 more and Mostert's the one catching passes, I'm much more interested in that given the significantly lower ownership I'm expecting to see even in our projections right now. So much higher on Mostert in that department. And I think that's how they're going to attack the bills. Mike McDaniel has an answer for everything so far. So I don't really have lacking confidence in their passing game either, but so far we saw Brees Hall, his first two carries went for 108 yards of the season. Don't look at what happened to Brees Hall after those first two carries. But the fact is, even if we remove that game, the Bills are still 31st. They've allowed the second most carries of 10-plus yards the past two weeks because they can't stop the run. What the hell do you think is going to happen whenever they play Mostert and chan now? So I think Mostert, even if you're skinny stacking this game, you're not going overweight, that's the way to attack it. Yeah, um... Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. I, I don't know how I'm attacking this game yet. Like I said, it's it's just a super funky week because usually the game with the 54-point total um, would just be crazy rostered everywhere, and we, we just don't have that. Like, it's going to be Tyreek with a little bit of, of Diggs and a little bit of Josh Allen. I mean, even for, for the passing game side, Daigle, uh, I mean, Tua and, and uh, Waddle are coming in single digit right now, still haven't adjusted uh, for the whole slate, but I, I don't see it moving much. Like this is like the easiest team to double. Again, it is always expensive, but I mean, on FanDuel, if we're going to get 4% uh, Waddle and, and 3% Tua, like, I don't know, a couple doubles might, might do the job, huh? And even if you don't do doubles, uh, I will have it written in my tournament article for everyone in the morning that I prefer Waddle in this game because it's not about rostering Tyreek Hill, who's an amazing play as he is every single week. It goes back to what are you losing out on when you roster Tyreek Hill? Because for the first time, I need to actually look this up before I'm just start spitting from my mouth. But I believe it's been a while since we've seen them so egregiously priced like differently from one another. Whenever yeah. Waddle's the one averaging 20 yards per catch. Uh, I don't know how many times we have to simulate the slate for Waddle to match or outscore Tyreek Hill, but I'm at least willing to take those chances to save 2K in salary at a teammate who already showed, even last year, he could explode in their first two matchups. Everyone remembers on holiday weekend, him going for 70 yards whenever they went to a run-heavy offense in Week 15 against Buffalo. So yeah, I actually prefer... Given the big picture outlook of the slate, I think Waddle makes it fit a lot better, and I'm willing to take that chance over Tyreek. Yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson and Tyreek are getting into like old school CMC salary range on DraftKings, um, both of them mid 9,500 range. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy. Cash game notes on this game. Oh, go ahead, Diggle. I also, not to mock the man in the car right now, but I also think <laughs> Knox is the significantly better play over Kincaid. Because I'm not sh- I'm not sure where the Kincaid love keeps coming from outside of people just wanting to play a rookie tight end because Knox is the one who is literally doubling his depth of target right now, 7.6 to 3.5 for Kincaid. They've run the same amount number of routes, and Knox as well as the one who has three end zone targets tied for a team high mark compared to Kincaid's one. Um, so I, I don't know why everyone would then run There's- to play the more rostered Kincaid. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean, Knox definitely looks interesting as well. Um, and statistically, they look identical. They're running routes at the same rate. Yep. Like the, all the tar- all the all the target stuff exactly the same. 
the reason that Kincaid jumps out to me a little bit more, and I'm not really a Kincaid guy. I didn't draft a ton of them. I thought he was way overpriced in best ball. But I know who Dawson Knox is. And there's a chance that, like, you know, it's like this is the reason that Kincaid was drafted. And he is basically just kind of a, a wide receiver with tight end eligibility. Mm-hmm. If he's going to be able to deliver on this first round draft capital and this plan that the Bills have for him, this would be one of those spots. So it's just kind of like it's a little bit narrative and it's a little bit just kind of taking the leap of faith with like what we know about why they drafted him. But I do agree. I mean, statistically, there's no reason to play Kincaid over Knox. And if the the ownership gravitates towards Kincaid in a big way, just shifting to Knox, who I believe is $100 cheaper, right? That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, Knox is more expensive on FanDuel, but it really seems like everyone forgets we were in this position just two weeks ago against the Raiders. And on this very show, we called Gabe Davis and Knox as the best plays, and those were the two guys who popped. And it just seems like we're trying to do it again. We're trying to make Kincaid something or give him this role that he hasn't had for three games, so I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, unless unless he really starts to separate, I don't think we're going to be one wanting to play a double digit um, owned um, Kincaid. Um, just quick notes uh, on cash games: Tyreek is a top three overall value wide receiver on both sides, popping up in eighty three percent of the optimals on Fanduel. James Cook is like right on that cash game fringe um, on DK at sixty three hundred. Um, Let's move on to the Chargers versus the Raiders um, in sunny Southern California, where if you look through Corain's panoramic uh, sunroof, you can actually see that beautiful California sky. So I just wanted to make sure we're all focused in on that before we move on to this game. 48 and a half point uh, over under here. Chargers favored by five and a half. So like we we have this under the potential shootouts, but, um, you know, Raiders is five and a half point dog is kind of on the fringe. Daigle, I'll start with you on the Chargers side. Uh, we know Keenan Allen is like the boss in this spot. Uh, I, I think Joshua Kelly, even though he's he's struggled, you know, people, I, I I probably haven't projected a little bit. Oh, on ownership. The question is, Josh Palmer or Quentin Johnson? Obviously, Palmer running all the routes. Like, does Quentin Johnson need more time to um, get acclimated, or is there something to be said here where? You know, maybe Quentin Johnson does see the field a bit more in those three wide receiver sets. We're seeing three to four times ownership projection uh, for Palmer right now. So how do you see this uh, Chargers team playing out outside of the obvious Keenan Allen smash spot? I think the Chargers already gave us evidence whenever Mike Williams was carted off of how they're going to play this offense because Herbert dropped back 10 times from the third quarter on through overtime. And on those 10 dropbacks, it was Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer who ran a route on 100% of the dropbacks in two wide sets. Quentin Johnston only came in in three wide sets and ran three routes on those 10 dropbacks. I imagine that's how we see them play short term, especially with the Chargers bye in week five. That's also going to hold out Austin Eckler in this game. It just seems like they have this two-week window to integrate Johnston to where we get good leverage on him in week six based on him doing nothing in this game. It's the Raiders. They can still give up a big play here, and you can get them at significantly lower ownership if that's your theory. I'm totally fine with that. But honestly, it just seems like otherwise we're thinking ourselves into a box, thinking it's not going to be Palmer in this game because they've already shown us it's Palmer. Yeah, d- knowing uh, before before I move on to you, Pat, like knowing like what we know 
about Josh Palmer. Like long-term, we don't expect him just like completely separate, right? We, we expect Johnson to, to get there at some point in the season and start taking some snaps in the short term. Like, do we, do we like Palmer enough that we think that the offense will stay as concentrated as it was with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? Or is this like, you know, stack single stack Herbert with, with, with Keenan and, and maybe, um, get some, some Joshua Kelly in there instead. I'm relieved to hear that Palmer is going to be pretty high owned because I, I don't really want to play him. And, you know, that gives me a reason not to. I I don't think Palmer's really any good. And, you know, he's he's good enough to be out there and run the routes and, and do his job. But it's not going to be like it was with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. He's not a yeah. Mike Williams level talent. So, I don't think I'm ready to play Johnston either. Um, they had a chance to ramp his usage up. They really didn't. We saw, I believe, Darius Davis running some routes. Like, they'll find weight. Like, if you're not ready to play a rookie, you won't play him, right? The, the Broncos are showing us that with, with Marvin Mims, unfortunately. Like Until this week. there's a, Until this week, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah. We'll get you that. will learn names. You know, if the team's not ready to – if they've got a plan in place and the, the rookie's not where they want to be yet, you will learn names of, of depth yeah. guys. Um, and we might be doing that this week. So – I'm not really – I think I, I just want to play it through Keenan um, this week. I, I don't really want to go to Palmer, and maybe I can be be sharp and contrarian by not doing that, which is even better. Yeah, I mean, one, one of the reasons I'm a little trepidatious about Chargers doubles um, is because we just might not get Jimmy G and, and don't know what to expect if, if Brian Hoyer starts. This is the only game on the slate where both teams are top 10 in passing rate over expectation. Um but that probably changes with Hoyer. So, so Corrine, what do you think that means for uh, Devontae, Jacoby, and, and even Josh Jacobs? I mean, this is the most concentrated offense in the league when when all three of them are on the field. Yeah, it's tough. Like with the walkthrough, sometimes I'll I'll find stuff and be like, man, I can't wait to play this in DFS. And just like looking at Jacoby Myers' role and Devontae Adams' role, and then you know, it, but then it's like, oh wait, this is going to be a Hoyer game. And just I think. I didn't want it to be as pessimistic as, you know, the write-up ended up being more pessimistic than I was hoping it would be um, on Brian Hoyer. But, like, just going back, and I basically was able to pull most of his career in, going back to 2012, um, looking at his stats. But it's pretty bleak. Like, I, I think the, the difference between him and Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm not really a big Garoppolo guy, but I think the difference is going to be pretty big. And I could see the... I could see the Raiders trying to attack on the ground a bit more, being a little bit more conservative. You can certainly justify that against the Chargers defense, but their running game has been so inefficient this year. Uh, Josh Jacobs is still getting all the work, so he's you know a very strong fantasy play. But I don't, I just don't know from like an offensive perspective, this game game environment perspective. I think Hoyer really hurts it quite a bit. Yeah, Daigle, do you think Hoyer hurts Jacobs? I mean, you can't hurt Jacobs more than he's been hurt so far, but, uh, I mean, does Jacobs have any kind of life here? I could see people getting there. I don't know whether to blame him or his offensive line. It is a good matchup. And my issue is, yes, I'm concerned about everyone except for Devontae Adams if it is Brian Hoyer. You can search the internet for Hoyer stats, but all you need to know is that he was benched in his last two starts. Sometimes the easiest stat tells the entire story. 
That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, cash game notes here. Keenan Allen is a top two value on DraftKings at 7,900. He's priced way up on FanDuel. Uh, Palmer, also a top three value uh, among wide receivers, priced below $5,000. Both of them are t- popping up in about 20 to 25% of DraftKings optimals when you use the four for four projections. All right. Uh, we don't have. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Nope. No, no. You do not move on without living. Allowing me to talk about Josh Kelly, and then we could go from there. Oh, oh, give give me some but Kelly. If there were a spot, because I always listen whenever no one wants to play a player, since we're playing at <laughs> tournaments, so that already psychologically checks me in and says, okay, no one's on this player. What do I need to know? But all I'm saying it is, the past two weeks, the Chargers, as we mentioned, have been fifth and pass play rate from neutral game script because they did not have Austin Eckler and they did not have Mike Williams. What happens now when they don't have Mike Williams and Austin Eckler? Are they still sure. this pass-happy offense with Josh Palmer and two wide sets, especially if Brian Hoyer's under center? Or are we just trying to get this thing to the bye week? Are we becoming more of a balanced offense like they were in week one against the Titans where they ranked 19th in pass play rate? So all I'm saying is Kelly had 86% of the team's backfield touches last week. He hasn't earned targets. Those carries have been bad. But the Raiders are 26th in explosive run play rate. We talk about Jacob's spot. This is a Kelly spot too, theoretically. Uh, no, I, I love it's it. True. Raiders um, in, in the in four for four's first uh, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed of the season. The Raiders come in rank twenty seventh against running backs. So uh, the spot is prime, and uh, yeah, I, I think it makes a ton of sense, especially if we're going to get like a thirty to thirty five percent Keenan Allen. Uh, it makes a ton of sense. Um, we don't have a lot of other games that really project as shootouts. We have one that we'll get to later that is like just weird with a decent total. But all the other games, kind of similar to last week, we have high team totals, uh, but also very big spreads. And the biggest team total of the week uh, is the 49ers. Um, I don't know if we did we completely lose Korean or did we just lose a visual there? He'll jump back um, in. He's fine. As All Tyler right. has pointed out, he's streaming from his Tesla. He'll be okay. <laughs> All right, just making sure he's there. Um, I'll, I'll start with um, the Cardinals side then, Daigle, before we get uh, before we get Kareem back. Uh, the Cardinals have covered the spread the last three weeks, as you mentioned on the podcast uh, this week. They're obviously or should be playing from behind as 14-point favorites. Uh, the interesting bring back on the Cardinals side is Marquise Brown, 33% target share the last two weeks. And then James Conner just – basically all of the work. So is, do they have enough concentration in their offense where Marquise Brown and, and James Conner are both playable, um, even though they are going to be huge dogs and and this might be the spot where, you know, they turn into the team we expect them to be. It's always tough to roster a running back against the 49ers, but at least we know Marquise Brown, the past two games, 33% of the Arizona's targets. Uh, he's the only one getting anything that matters whatsoever. Even Ron Moore, his six targets, Moore turned them into eight yards because he has a two-yard depth of target. He's just not mm-hmm. getting targets where it matters and how it matters, more importantly. Now, since Marquise Brown, it was limited. He's questionable. I think he plays, and I think he's a very interesting tournament option to run back the 49ers with. Um, I've even started tinkering with him in some optimals, too. But if Marquise Brown's out, Maybe I do get the Rondell Moore because there were some reports earlier this week that they are going to continue trying to tinker with Moore as a running back, which is what he should be. Uh, And that's how he got there in fantasy last week with those three carries, 54 yards and a touchdown. So we'll see if Marquise Brown's out. But right now, with that target share, 
Brown is going to still get lost in the shuffle because that mid-range 5K to all the way going down to uh, Josh Palmer, to Marvin Mims, to Quentin Johnston, some of these guys are just going to get lost. And Marquise Brown is definitely one of them, despite arguably having one of the higher ceilings. Yeah. Uh, Pat, for me, the question with the 49ers, as long as they're this team that's going to have these high point totals um, with big spreads, but also going to have like one of the lowest passing rates relative to expectation in the league. The question for me every week is going to be like, obviously CMC is going to usually be in a really good spot. Like, can we stack the Niners? And if so, how do we stack them with Purdy um, having efficiency? That's like in the Justin Herbert, Josh Allen range right now. I mean, I think this matchup is pretty interesting for Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, you know, Debo's looking iffy, but one of the things that jumped out when looking at the 49ers actually is like their pass block um, rates are not all that strong. Um, they're only 20th in ESPN's player tracking metric, uh, pass block win rate, um, which, which shows win rate within 2.5 seconds. So are you letting up those quick pressures? Are you kind of the type of team that might let them up in the future? They're not that great there. Uh, they're letting up a lot of quick pressures. They rank dead last in quick pressures per drop back. So you, I want to be careful about, you know, IU could downfield guy against any team with a really strong pass rush, but the Cardinals don't have that they're 31st in quick pressures per drop back um 24th in pass block win rate so purdy should be able to you know operate this offense and and look downfield if if targets are condensed with samuel out or not fully healthy i think i use pretty interesting and if i'm worried about passing volume a guy who has a a downfield role is certainly more interesting than you know someone who's more volume dependent so i think i use a good way to play Dagle, you right have a now, on the 49ers? Oh, lots. Right now, do you <laughs> you said Christian McCaffrey is an optimal cash game play, correct? It's only Friday. We'll figure out for everyone in the Discord, but um, right now that's odd, how it looks. Oddly enough, he is showing up in way more draft um DraftKings optimals, which is weird because usually players that are so expensive are, are hard to get in there. The the reason I think is happening is because we have a lot of punt wide receivers on DraftKings. So um it, it works. Um so yes. To answer your question, yes. And I always worry when the cash game lineup particularly trickles down into tournaments, but I don't think he's going to be rostered much or relative to what he should be in tournaments. Yes, the 49ers are 14-point favorites, but as you mentioned, the highest team total by a wide margin on this entire slate, and the Cardinals have covered the spread in their first three games because they're frisky. They hang around. And if that's the case and we get some ambiguous volume here, Man, like 49ers doubles look really good. Just soaking up, as we talked about in that 49ers Ram game a couple weeks ago when Brock Purdy took down the Millie Maker with a double stack and overall game onslaught with five players. It seems like maybe that's a situation again in this week. Yeah, if you have a take on the expensive guys, um, I think you just ride that take. We have uh, Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson all with uh, very high salaries. So I think they cannibalize each other a bit because they're on pretty good spots. And on FanDuel, you could throw Keenan Allen in there too. He's priced up with those guys, but I don't think that's going to have people shine away from him. So I don't think any of their ownerships get out of control because you just you can't play all, all of them together, right? On FanDuel, you could play a couple. Um, but I think those expensive guys cannibalize each other's ownerships a bit. And I'd be very surprised to, I have to run the numbers again, but I'd be surprised to see any of them get to 25%, say. And Shout out 
for Patty Millions because I will tell you, I've been in the Battle Royale streets backdoor double stacking the Niners with Ayuk, Kittle, and Purdy, and it's hot. No one's doing it, and it's hot. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) this is going to be um, uh, a very important week to uh, track ownership because between now and Sunday, um, what happens with Debo, I think is going to have the biggest uh, effect on Ayuk. Like Kittle's already a little bit popular on Fandle, probably gets super steamed on DK if if Debo is if or when Debo is out. Um, Ayuk's the interesting one. If Ayuk stays like at five percent, even though Debo's out, I mean that's going to be it's going to be pretty hot. Especially because Jawan Jennings has all been already been ruled out. Mm. Like yes, Good Ronnie point. Bell will logically step in, but. He's not going to earn Ayuk target share. It still trickles to the best player. So Ayuk Kittle, man, it's that's fun this week. Yeah, I mean, let's let's ride. Keep in mind that is um, the latest start of the day. Three late games, uh, NFL just killing us again. But that gives us maximum late swap ability. So um, if you do build those doubles, we should have a pretty good idea of how owned these these guys are going to be. Um, so that helps a lot for us. Um, and, and obviously, uh, people might be nervous because um, we might not get Debo news until three thirty uh, p.m. So that, that's, that's a great point. I, I don't mind having Ayuk if Debo's active. Like it's not an Ayuk misses play for me. Um, sure, sure. Obviously it helps, but you know, I, I think if you end up playing Ayuk and, and Debo's out there, I mean you'll have a very low owned Ayuk, I think. I still yeah, I, I like it. McCaffrey a lot, which hot take, I know. But the way structure <laughs> is built this week, I think everyone's going to kind of lose McCaffrey based on what he should be rostered because everyone's already talking about Miles Sanders, Raheem Mostert, H. H. N. Zach Moss, Kyron Williams. Everyone's kind of sticking around that 5,800 to 6,500 range. And so I do wonder if a pay-up running back gets lost. So if that's the case, maybe I do instead stick with McCaffrey and double stacks since we know you can absolutely do that with Purdy. Or just trying to soak up, as we talked about last week for the Dolphins, you didn't need Tua to take down tournaments uh, Moster and Tyree Kill got there because you soaked up their touchdowns. Maybe we can do that with McCaffrey and Kittle too. But it's definitely something those three guys, Kittle, McCaffrey, and Ayuk, I'm just going to figure it out after injury news and start playing with it. Um, speaking of those mid-tier running backs, Daigle, I think one of the most interesting ones this week um, is DeAndre Swift. We got the Eagles for the next game. They're favored by nine over the Commanders in a game with only 43.5 point total, Um, but as favorites, the Eagles have a nice 26.25 team total. Uh, As you mentioned on the podcast, DeAndre Swift, 76% share uh, touch share in week two. Last week through three quarters, that share was 74%. Um, we're going to get all the ownership on those guys that you just mentioned. Uh, I think we get maybe a little bit of ownership on the Eagles passing game, uh, but not a lot. So where are you at on this one? Because I, I think we got two really good spots here. We got DeAndre Swift that should be moderately owned. And then uh, if you read Matt Savoka's breakout wide receiver article, AJ Brown's like the number one buy low candidate um, in football right now. Uh, so how do you see this Eagles game play now? It's one I've been watching the market on all week because although the Eagles made Baker Mayfield look like vintage Baker Mayfield, 
The fact is, in weeks one and two, both yeah. Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins finished as the QB2 in fantasy. They averaged 49 pass attempts per game and had success because the Eagles secondary is quietly a pass funnel. They are not good. Jalen Carter is basically the only person helping that defense out right now. And so maybe that's all that matters against Sam Howe, the only quarterback, taking a sack rate over 13%, and he's at 16% in the league. Maybe Jalen Carter cancels out the offense. But I have this weird vibes I'm getting from this game, especially because Washington competed with them last year. And so if that's the case, if they are sticking around, we have seen Swift, although he's been very successful on the ground and getting all the work, he's also not used in the passing game whatsoever. It's still pretty much trickling. Although Zacchaeus had success, it's still trickling to Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. So certainly something I'm watching. I don't know how we would get there on Washington's side. We probably don't even need to. We're really just talking about can you trust rostering a Philadelphia wide receiver? And I really think you can because based on what they showed at, at least through the first two games before playing Tampa, you can have success through the air here with splash plays. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of having success through the air, surprisingly, uh, Pat Sam Howell is projecting as one of four for four's best values on DK He's actually in the DraftKings optimal. I, I'm not writing him up on, um, in the cash game article, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get, I need to computer, throw in a million, which, which often fails me. Um, but is, is he in a bounce back spot against, uh, the Eagles for the reasons that Daigle mentioned? I, I don't really like this spot for Howell, I, and I'm not really a Howell guy. So, you know, maybe this is just biased, but I think like, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, Justin Fields getting pushed by the chiefs or something. It's like, I don't want Justin Fields to be forced to pass all the time, you know, and be like, you know, in suboptimal situations where the defense knows what's coming and then he's got to do it, right? Like Sam Howell, he's got that sack issue that Daigle mentioned. It's not even, I think that maybe even understates it. Like anytime there's pressure, he's going down. Like that's yeah. the problem is it's pressure to sack rate with him. He's yeah. at 40%. Ryan Tannehill's at 35%. Jameis Winston's at 33. Derek Carr's at 31. No one else is even above 30 in pressure to sack rate. Like, if you get to Howell, you're taking him to the ground. It's a real problem. It's a problem for the offense. It's going to put them in, you know, like long third downs. They're going to have trouble converting first downs. Like, I'm not. I'm not convinced that Howell can bounce back here against an Eagles pass rush that isn't great. But neither is the Bills. Like the, this was the first test last week that we had for Howell against a like legit defense. Maybe not a great defense, but a legit one. He did not perform well. Wasn't quite as bad as he looked on paper with all the interceptions and stuff. At the you know he throws an interception at the very end of the game that you know what, they were going to lose anyway. Who cares? But I do think that the the big red flag coming in with Howell into the league was this sack issue. Yeah, this is one of the reasons that I was skeptical of him holding on to this job all year and really the first time that he might kind of like flame out in a game he did. And so I'm not really looking to go back to him here. I can see the case, you know, the Eagles are going to be putting up points. Maybe this game's fun, but I, I think I'm going to sit it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty nervous about the Washington side. I mean, I think one of my leaks in, in my game is just overlooking games like this where like we have way better game environments we have teams with way higher totals but like when you have this great eagles offense and, the, and their total is 26.25 um I, I think we should at least be looking at this game and, and remembering that these are the kind of games that could still win it for us i mean to pat's note um 
I mean, this, with Howell, we we were at least hoping we were getting this mobile quarterback that would give us like at least in the 25 to 35 yards on the ground game. He's not giving us that at all. Um, you know, if I guess if you're going to miss, miss on a 17th round quarterback, but uh, you know, so much for, for, you know, how being that mobile guy um, we were, we were hoping for um, moving on to the only other team with a total above 25, the Vikings are favored by four and a half with a total of 25.5 at the Panthers with a game total of 46 and a half. Pat, uh, you mentioned in your article this morning that you think this could be a surprise run heavy game plan for the Vikings. Um, why do you think that? And if that happens, do we think that Madison might have a shorter leash than we've seen so far this year with Akers being active? I mean, I, he probably has a bit of a shorter leash, but I don't know like that acres is really going to have the, the opportunity to like, take the job. Like his acres been, has been so yeah. efficient, inefficient this yeah. year. Um, the reason that I think the Vikings probably will be more balanced and I don't think they will be truly run heavy, but I think they will be like maybe a slight lean to the run. The reason I feel that way is that last year they did have six games where they operated very balanced. So the pass rate are expected between minus one, zero, or one, right? They they basically were running as much as you would expect them to. And they did that in wins over non-playoff teams. That's where all those games showed up as. I think that they have that kind of gear to their offense. One reason that I think that too is that the Vikings have been passing a lot this year. They passed a lot last year, but typically they did so in games that were shootouts or where they were trailing, yeah. where they had to pass. They're not a team that's – they're not like the Falcons where a team's beating up on them and they're just like, we run the ball. That's who we are. Like, they're they're fine. We, they need to drop back a bunch of times and play a shootout. They'll happily do it. But in a game like this, I don't think that they are like, you know, Joe Burrow when he's healthy, Bengals, the, the, um, the Chiefs, right? Teams that, that kind of say, we win through the pass and we're going to come in and – be really pass heavy no matter what. I don't really think that's who the Vikings are. And so I think they might play a little tighter than we would expect here. Doesn't necessarily make me all that interested in Madison, but it probably has me breaking ties against Jefferson yeah. and as, as we're thinking through how do we play the high price guys this week? Yeah. I mean, and to Crane's point, like um, if, if the Vikings do need to be pushed for, for us to see them get there both on the ground and through the air, um, we probably would have liked, it to happen with Andy Dalton. Um, unfortunately, especially for Daigle and his hopeful overbets that he was going to have, it looks like it's going to be uh, Bryce Young. We already got, uh, we, we now have a questionable tag on Miles Sanders. So who was projecting as one of the better values of the week um, early in the week. Now we have to wait and see. Even with the Bryce Young um, news that he's likely active, we still have Adam Thielen projecting as a pretty good value. Jonathan Mingo looks like he's trending towards not playing. Uh, Daigle, from your opinion, does Bryce Young just disintegrate Adam Thielen's value or, or this value, um, the value of this game altogether? Well, Young did play that entire game in week two, and Thielen still led the team with nine targets, uh, had 20 PPR points from young because he scored that touchdown with seven catches and 45 yards. I think the interesting play though, for me from young is still DJ Chark, assuming 
that Jonathan Mingo is out with concussion. We'll have to take this one down to the wire. I do personally wish Dalton wins this game because if so, then I would even have Dalton in my player pool. But we at least know Brian Flores is going to blitz the hell out of Bryce Young because that's what he's done at a top two rate in every game so far. They're not even trying to hide what they do on defense. And Young's only been blitzed on 10 dropbacks so far this year. We don't know much, but his depth of target has doubled against the blitz. Not to mention that if we don't have Mingo, at least we saw in week two from Young, Mingo with Shark Active still earned eight targets. We're just one behind Thielen's team high mark that I mentioned earlier. And so if Shark is stepping into that role and still leading the team in routes run, he's the kind of player at that low salary I don't mind taking chances on because he does get over 100 yards or even 80 yards with a touchdown and gets us there at value at a point per dollar mark, you know, 20% of the time. And on DraftKings in particular, he's the same price as Josh Palmer. It's camouflage. So either way, whether Dalton plays or not, I think I do like Chark quite a bit in this tournament slate. Uh, yeah, just the practice notes on the Panthers. Jonathan Mingo has been limited practice all week through Friday. Miles Sanders limited practice Wednesday, Thursday, downgraded to DNP on Friday. So that's always concerning. Um, coaches, you know, talking about him, you know, playing. Hopefully, uh, obviously questionable tag, not doubtful, but downgraded DNP. Um, is always quite concerning. Justin Jefferson, as far as cash games go, he's a top four overall value on Fandle. I don't think you could play him over Tyreek and uh, Christian McCaffrey on, on DK. It's just you, you have to pick one. On Fandle, you could ex you could usually uh, afford two expensive guys. So I, I guess it makes more sense there, but still I, I think he's pretty far behind Tyreek and CMC in terms of the expensive guys. Um, Thielen is the most rostered players in DraftKings Optimals if you build on the solver right now. So um, I, I think we probably just take that, that punt value that sub 5k value and and hope for the best uh guys after these games we mentioned the game the rest of the games aren't bad they're just kind of funky we got broncos uh and and bears which obviously horrible defenses but also offenses well broncos offenses hasn't been horrible but we could say wide range of outcomes rams and colts like isn't projecting crazy well at least from a point perspective but we have a ton of values in that game there might be a lot of chalk um Cowboys are big favorites, but that's kind of a gross game. Bengals are playing a pass funnel Titans, which I think is interesting, but no one's talking about. So does anything, uh, I'll start with you, Dago. Does anything pop to you from the remaining games that we haven't covered? Broncos bears. We already teased it at the front. Pat's interested in the Bears side. I'm really interested in the Russ side. The only thing is I think these most recent injuries in the Bears secondary are going to steam Russell Wilson quite a bit. Uh, he may even end on up DK. On, on, on DK. DK he's much, yes, he's yes. much cheaper on DK. On FanDuel, he's like not that cheap. So keep And he's still totally viable there because his, yeah. double stack oh, sure. is, his double stack is Marvin Mims and Cortland Sutton, if you even get there. But Cortland right. Sutton, even if Jerry Judy were to play, Judy's still very clearly banged up. The last two games, Sutton has seen 28.2% of the team's targets. Judy's not even a player we're thinking about. And after a 50-point loss, after Cortland Sutton fumbles twice, Brandon Johnson has two holding penalties that take two touchdowns off the board, you have to think a change is coming. And even if we luck box into 70 yards and a touchdown because a change doesn't come for Mims, he's still a player we need to be ahead on and the same salary as Josh Palmer. So I... Russell Wilson right now, he's getting, I hate 
because of the team's defense, but no one's paying attention that yeah. Russ is the QB8 in points per game. He's been yeah. awesome this year. He's been awesome the last five games since Nathaniel Hackett was fired. There is no reason to consider him not to consider him a QB1 and like a top six option, honestly, in this slate. So Russ at 5,800 on DraftKings at a mid-price where it gets lost on FanDuel. Man, those double stacks look really good. Yeah, Javante's projecting really well um, on both sides, but he'll actually kind of be chalky. I don't really want chalky Javante. That's, that's the other pivot, yes. It's because yeah. Russ is fun because Javante, who has been very efficient, I'm pretty sure because he's still obviously recovering, like Brees Hall from that torn ACL. Uh, that's why Russ also makes a lot of sense in this slate. Uh, Bears also one of eight teams allowing at least nine yards per target to players lined up uh, in the slot. Corlin Sutton leads the Broncos with 70 routes run from the slot this year. So to Daigle's point, uh, Sutton is in a good spot there. Uh, Pat, you kind of already talked about the Bears a little bit, but uh, anything else about these like fringe games that, that we haven't mentioned yet? I really like that uh, from the Broncos side there, especially with the rust pricing and um, I think one thing about the Bears defense is that like even last year, I felt like people were too focused on the fact they couldn't stop the run because they also couldn't stop the pass. And this year they've been a little bit better against the run and they are still terrible against the pass. So uh, I think that's pretty interesting. And yeah, I, I think Russ has been pretty good this year. So um, I might play that game from both sides. I'll have to see. But uh, the other game that jumps out a little bit is the Rams and the Colts. Um Specifically, like it's kind of one of those, you know, I don't want to play Javante either, which makes me interested in the Broncos passing game a little bit more. If Kyron Williams is going to be a massive chalk, then can we go to Pukunakua if he's not going to be all that popular? Be too. Think, that's no, why that's I why I think this that. game that's why I think this game is really weird because like the point projection is is middling, but we have four players that could be like 15 to 20 percent. Everyone's when Davis is talking about a game, Pat, you know it's going to be over roster. Davis, <laughs> Davis loves the Colts and the Rams, so just ignore that game. All right. So then, so then, is it that. is it a Michael is it a Michael Pittman game then? If we're getting if we're getting popular Zach Moss, popular Anthony Richardson, popular Rams, and no one's going to play Michael Pittman, do we pay in, in I, like a funky salary range? I still kind of think Zach Moss gets lost behind Kyron Williams. I don't That's think fair. people roster Zach Moss to the point where he's a thirty touchback. The past two games, he's handled 84% and 100% of their backfield touches, 32 of 38 just last week. And if there were a game where Anthony Richardson doesn't get banged up and get the carries uh, through the trenches inside the five-yard line, you would think it's his first one back from a concussion. So I still like Zach Moss as a pivot off that entire game, just trying to soak up everything. I like that, yeah. It's a shame is we Stafford, can't play Puka. He, he is Stafford really just an absolutely insane play? It's not insane. I came to the week thinking because it's so concentrated there. It's it's basically only Puka and Tutu. Like Higby did pop up for those 70 receiving yards last week, but he was still fourth on the team in targets. Like he's still a player we can't play. And so I don't think it's yeah. insane. I still like Tutu over Puka if we're trying to get leverage off the spot because I do think Puka will be high rostered. Something sharp footballs. Tutu's actually probably the best play of the game now that I think he's an amazing play. He's in my tournament article for sure. Uh, Sharp footballs, Rich Rebar pointed out to me and I I didn't see it at all. And it's still so early that it may mean nothing. But last week was really the first time that Puka dealt with the majority man coverage and getting pressed at the line of scrimmage. And so I 
I think we have like maybe a trend to watch out for saying that's why he struggled. Now, Puka struggling is a 21% target share with 70 receiving yards. That's pretty right. awesome. That's okay. But the Colts have shown that they are willing to shift their defense. They played over 75% from zone coverage in weeks one and two, and then were completely balanced at 50-50 in week three. So if they are willing to go balanced and playing man coverage against Puka, who's, again, very, very early, but he's seen 15% of his targets gets man coverage, and he's averaged fewer than he's averaged over two yards per route run fewer against man coverage. If the Colts are going to play like that, then that least is me poking holes and playing Puka at high roster. Yeah, I, I will say, even though the game is projecting for a very low total, Titans have been the most obvious pass funnel um, in the league. And even on uh, a, a struggling calf, we that we saw the Bengals still let Burrow throw it 50 some odd times last week. Um, Jamar Chase is going to draw some ownership. Uh, the Titans are allowing the six most yards per attempt to players in the slot. Tyler Boyd leads all players and routes run from the slot. He's going to be one percent owned while Jamar is going to be like 15 to 16 and uh Boyd is also a price pivot off of uh three players in the sub 4500 range that are going to be 15 to 20 percent so I mean if you're playing the Millie and you just you know like a price pivot you know 4k guy I think you could do worse than Tyler Boyd 20 percent target share or more than the last two games go ahead Diggle I still want to be over the field on Jamar Chase because we're all oh, trying yeah. to parse through Tyreek Diggs, Devontae, Chase, and Jefferson to a lesser extent. Jefferson's definitely going to get lost just because you lose so much in your lineup if you play him because he's so expensive. But Chase, you talk about the slot and the Titans allowing the, the, the fourth most receiving yards per game, 126 to slot receivers. But we've seen Chase now is fourth in the league in slot catches. He's being used in the slot at the highest rate of his career. So he's actually their slot receiver getting peppered these dinky targets from Joe Burrow, who is very clearly not healthy. But against the Titans, you can get there on 12 to 15 targets easily if you're Jamar yeah. Chase. So I yeah. still I still think I want to be over the field on Chase. I'm I, I'm completely okay with that. Um yeah I, I like I I kind of like the Bengals. Um let's uh <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the chalk players right here. We had Miles Sanders listed, but he's a questionable tag now. Uh, the players with the biggest ownership projections right now, Keenan Allen, Kyron Williams, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, I think I'm probably a little too high on, Browns defense, and and Pat Firemuth. Uh, Pat, any like easy plays or fades for you in in uh, among these chalk players? The easy one for me would be Pat Firemuth. Um, I think, you know, Kenny Pickett, he definitely showed something last week um but i'm still a little bit skeptical of you know the raiders are such an easy matchup yeah. and he was good he wasn't great and he's not really going to Fryermuth. i mean Fryermuth is not deontay johnson's not out there right targets have opened up mm -hmm. and we're looking at a 12 percent targets per route run this year for pat Fryermuth. he's also not been able to run all the routes but that was mostly due to, to being banged up with that chest injury in week one but even when he's out there, so, you know, you think like, oh, when they go to the per route numbers, that'll look pretty good. No, the, the per route numbers look terrible. He's got a 0. Yeah. 0.6 yards per route run, which is horrendous. Uh, like, I couldn't be happier to, to – I would love the ownership to come in as high as it could be on, on Fryermouth. I'll be elsewhere. 
Yeah, I agree. If if yeah, Firemuth, I mean, he's in my cash game article, but I mean, 18% Firemuth is like the easiest fade of all time. Uh Daigle, anyone you like or love that's that's shocked this week? Hate uh, or love, sorry. Did I have anyone written down? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> no. Christian McCaffrey, we talked about. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be chalky uh, for Keenan sure. Keenan Allen will be chalky. Like, yeah. for as good as Tyreek Hill has been, Keenan Allen leads all wide receivers in points per game. Keenan Allen's been better. Uh, I think that for, is forgotten by people. And he's still, you could argue, 7900 on DraftKings. His price on FanDuel isn't expensive enough, given his role, especially without Josh Palmer. So, uh, yeah, I could see myself like charger stacking, even without Justin Herbert with Keenan Allen. Yeah, on, on DK, Keenan's so much cheaper than the elite wide receivers. Like, he's he, he'll he probably crack 30% this week. But, I mean, we saw last week in tournaments, like, team play the best plays can get there. We're allowed to play 30% guys. Like, it's not bad. You just, like, yeah. you know, play play them intelligently. There's lots of ways to get unique and offset that ownership. Pay attention to product ownership. Pay attention to some ownership. Uh, make sure you have a couple, you know, low-owned guys, depending on the size of your tournament. Pay attention to the size of your tournament. You could play Keenan Allen. And if you're playing small field stuff, remember, if you're playing in a 100-man, all it takes is five or six guys to not play him because he's going to be chalked for that, that number to swing crazy. Um, he, so I, I, even, I like Keenan Allen as mega chalk. I'm fine with it. Even Josh Palmer, I've been toying around with some optimizers and he does bring back, like he has a good ROI simulation uh, for mid to high stakes single entries, but then it obviously tanks in large field. Like, so it tells you, you can play 30% Josh Palmer into 1500 person fields, thousand person fields. But when you go in the Millie, like you cannot do that because his ceiling, yeah. if you simulate this slate, like it's just not there most of the time. Yeah. Don't play 30% Josh Palmer in the Millie. Um, yeah. Before, <laughs> before we get to our, our favorite plays of the weeks, I want to r- remind everybody about a spot that we've been actually absolutely smashing on this podcast three for three to start the season with our prize picks plays prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Before you set your lineup, go to pricepicks.com slash DFSMVP and use code DFSMVP for a first deposit match up to $100. It's important you do that before the podcast because when we play these plays, you want to be able to get them before uh, those numbers are stale. For week four, got three picks that we're really liking. And we've talked about all of them already here. Sam Howell's rushing number is at 14 and a half. Like him for less than 14 and a half yards. He's been under that twice this year, as Karate mentioned. Uh, he's just going down when you go after him. So, uh, like fading that there. James Cook, 18 and a half receiving yards. Liking him for more there. Lots of checkdowns, as we mentioned in that game. Tons of receiving upside for James Cook. And Javante Williams facing one of the worst defenses in the league. 51 and a half rush yards. We like him for more there. $25 on those three player pickums will 5x your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash DFSMVP. Use the code DFSMVP for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, boys, let's get to uh, everyone's favorite part of the show. Just the plays we like the most. Pat, uh, start with you at quarterback. Um, I'll, I'll give it away a little bit. Your cover boy for the walkthrough. You guys need to sign up for the walkthrough if you're not reading it already. Yeah, uh, Justin Fields. I'm I'm excited about him. It doesn't seem like like when I decide on the cover boy, the walkthrough. It's not really like a DFS thing of like, oh, he's gonna be low owned, and I'm gonna be able to play him. Like, it's just like a spot that I like, and this and this is one of those spots that I think is is really great for. I mean, basically anyone. 
who's going to be playing the Broncos all season. I mean, we're going to be targeting this defense, but specifically like speed, right? Like we know how they lost last week was they, you know, they, they are very susceptible to speed, to rushing speed. Sounds like a good week for Justin Fields to be able to rebound a little bit here. He doesn't have to like rebound in, you know, he doesn't suddenly have to get way better at reading defenses and hitting his reads and, you know, going through his progressions and everything. He can just go out there and play football a little bit. Um, but also when he does go through his progressions, he's probably going to find some open guys because this uh, this defense is quite poor against the pass as well as the run. Um, I don't think he's going to be super chalky, it looks like. So I, I will definitely have some of him. How do you how do you play it in DFS? I don't know that I'm going to want to stack him with DJ Moore. I don't really love that. Um, I have been like toying with do I want to stack him with Cole Komet? I do think I want to play Marvin Mims in in some of this stuff. Um, and maybe it's like a a naked field with a Mims type of thing. We Is saw that too weird. I mean, we saw the Sunday Million winner last week go uh quarterback opposing wide receiver with no stacked with no stacked uh, wide receiver so i mean it's that's kind of it's been done Na naked quarterback doesn't win a lot but also that's probably a function of a lot of people not playing naked quarterbacks um so i i mean if there's if there's a guy to play naked it's justin fields i i think if you're going to stack it to me it's probably with Komet and just get tight get tight end taken care of because tight end that's, is hard to take care of this week. That's why it is because you're just trying that's, to get tight end out of the way. Uh, especially yeah, this yeah. week, tight end is uglier than ever. It's really ugly. Uh, Daigle, uh, tell me about your quarterback real quick. I like the other side of the ball. I will have an update for everyone because that's what it's going to come down to is if Russ gets whittled down to be the cash game quarterback, ownership may be too high, but I need to have an update for everyone during the Discord chat on Sunday morning because I need to see if the field gets to Cortland Sutton. I need to field, I need to see if the field gets to Marvin Mims taking a chance there because if so, we're still getting leverage on Russ. I don't even want a run back. You can play fields for sure and play Broncos receivers, but I don't think we need the Bears offense for Russ to still get there, especially after a 50-point trouncing. So I do love the Broncos passing game. Uh, yeah, uh, we will definitely be talking about that one discord um, in a, in uh, on Sunday morning. If we're looking at cash games, um, Anthony Richardson at 7,600 Fandle, 6,700 DK is just like the most obvious cash quarterback of the week. I mean, you could throw Justin Fields in there like Karan was mentioning, but Richardson um, has shown us the probably the best floor um, in football right now. Uh, priced is the QB7 on both sites. He's projecting as the QB3. He is our top Fandle value at quarterback. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely rocking him. Uh, Crane, who's your top running back this week? We actually haven't even talked about this game at all. So I'm glad you brought this guy up. Yeah. So Daigle earlier talked about Christian McCaffrey and how we're probably seeing people live in this, you know, like 5k range on, on DraftKings, 5, 6k range. Like, and the, it's going to be tough to go, right. If you're going up, like, let me go up and get Tyreek in here, right? I don't know that people are going to want to go figure out ways to include Tony Pollard, who has been yeah. disappointing. But Tony Pollard's expected points per game, this using PFF's model, is at 23.5 points per game. That is wildly good. And they're in a game situation where they should be able to run as much as they want. You know, I think um, we're looking at a Patriots team that's going to be running against them plenty. And, like, honestly, I think the Cowboys are probably overly conservative. They've been 
pass first to pass heavy in every single game this season, including last week's, which is kind of weird since they were getting upset by the Cardinals, but that's what they did. So, like, I'm kind of worried, I guess, about, like, what this team's doing, but I think Tony Fowler is going to get a ton of work, and he's really good. He hasn't been good this year, but, I mean, I've been betting on this guy for, like, three years. I'm, I'm not going to stop after a few a few inefficient bad games when he finally has the workload. Yeah, among players that have played all three games this year, Tony Pollard leads the league with 24 and a half touches per game. He is ranked as a top two value across uh, all positions on both sides on the four for four value report. Daigle, we talked about this guy a little bit. Who's your favorite running back of the week? I don't know if I want to call him my favorite, but who's the the running back you put in the in the sheet this week? Cheap ass Josh Kelly is there and no one's going to play him. And there's enough reasons to think that the game script allows him to be featured. Austin Eckler moved to doubtful. We know their bias next week. He's not going to play. He makes a lot of things fit as a cheap running back who's going to see a majority of the touches. What he'll do with those, I don't know. But I think I'm willing to take it on one more time you know. since no one else is. You know. Yeah, how about do. how about Josh Kelly and um, and Keenan Allen getting there together? A little running back. Had- back. Yeah, we always we always we don't talk about them enough, but they show up in almost every single winning lineup, either on the Sunday million or the, or uh, the millionaire, a running back, same team stack is so prevalent and people just don't talk about the one. He had 96 yards and a touchdown in week one. He was right there. Like it could happen to three weeks later. It could definitely happen. TJ, are you talking uh, like Herbert Kelly, Allen, or I'm, I'm talking just, Allen, Allen Kelly, Kelly, just, just, just Allen and Kelly together. No Herbert. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. I've played with it. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh, I like that. Play. Yeah, I think Kelly's very good play. As much as I yeah. wanna, I wanna joke that he's gonna do terrible again. But I mean, he could <laughs> good play. But yeah, well, yeah. if he does, we don't have to worry about it because they're in a buy in week five, and we'll never have to talk about Kelly again because Eckler will be smashing. <laughs> Uh, the cash game quarterback of the week is Kyron Williams, 7,600 FanDuel, $6,000 DraftKings. did see a salary increase, but still not enough to, uh, to, uh, take care of the fact that he is the only player with at least 90% of his backfield touches over the last two weeks. We have him as a top four running back value on DraftKings. He is in the cash game article and probably lock buttoned on our cash game lineups. Uh, let's stick in that game and talk about a receiver you like Pat, who we touched on a little bit earlier. Well, you guys made me feel a little bit worse about this one, but I, I like Puka Nakua a lot. Um, he's a great play. He's just going to be owned. He's a fantastic okay, play. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nakua. When I looked at this matchup with the with the pass rush here, I, I felt like this is going to be a spot where I think the Rams are going to be focused on getting the ball out quickly, and Nakua has an, a couple advantages over Tutu if that's the goal. Uh, his average depth of target is only 8.5, whereas Tutu's at 13. Tutu's been a deep threat downfield. Nakua, much more of a shallow target guy, and he's seeing a lot more first read targets. So, you know, if Stafford's like, if you're looking for a guy to be, you know, getting out of his breaks quickly, more intermediate to shallow part of the field, and Stafford's looking at him first, like that's going to help you get the ball out of your hands quickly. The Rams passing uh, the their pass blocking is starting to look like a major concern and they're going against a Colts defense that actually does have a pretty good pass rush. So we're looking at the Rams. I think that there could be a reason to see a pretty run heavy game and maybe the Kyron chalk gets there, but um, it seems like, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like the Kyron stuff is, is what could really get out of hand as opposed to people playing two, two, you guys feel that way or not? 
Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Cash game running that, back. Yeah, yeah he's he's going to yeah. get trickled in a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Despite that good pass rush, Colts still 27th in schedule adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So Puka set up nicely there. Uh, Daigle, tell us which receiver you like. I talked about DJ Shark earlier, and I think he is a good option for large field tournaments since, again, Josh Palmer is pretty much the same price. And I don't know how many times we have to run this slate, but Shark has to outscore Palmer like at least 30, 40% of the time, just given the way Shark is used. Even last week, I know it was from Dalton, not Bryce Young, but Shark still tied for the league lead in targets 20 yards downfield with five. Like the way he is used breaks the slate if he hits. So I like I mean, Shark quite a bit in Larchfield. If if Joshua Palmer comes in at like 25%, I'm just looking for every way to get leverage off that, whether it's salary pivots or players um, on the Chargers or just yeah. fading the Chargers. Like, I don't know. I'm not playing 25. I don't care. It's better like he's better than because people are trying to jam in some slot receivers in those low three K's like a Josh Downs. Like I like, I like Josh Downs and redraft, but and DFS Josh Downs just doesn't get there because he's not that kind of player and he's not running those right. kind of routes. So I'd just and, rather go up a little bit and get the guys running go routes. Right. And that's why I mentioned Tyler Boyd specifically, because he will give us some of those, some of those high dot targets. Um, he plays with Joe yeah. 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 That yeah. helps too. Um, on, on DraftKings specifically, I'm hitting the lock button on Keenan Allen and cash on Fandle. He's 9,500, but he still projects very well, but down 7,900 on DK. Um, I think you have to hit the lock button on him. 33% target share on the year. When we saw Mike Williams go out last week, that spiked to 42%. Uh, fourth most routes from the slot. Does Keenan Allen have the our Raiders allow the seventh most yards per attempt to players line up in the slot? He is our wide receiver two in terms of DraftKings value at four for four. Uh, Daigle, give us a tight end you like him. None of them, but I <laughs> yeah, do think it's it is gross in these tight ends. It's end a streams. bad one. It's a really bad one. Even the tournament oracle, I have three written down. I'm like, I'm just gonna stick with these three guys. But one of those guys is Dawson Knox. I like Dawson Knox over Kincaid. I will call my shot. Although I called Mac Holland's shot, and it didn't feel too bad, honestly, because no Falcon got there. It just wasn't just Mac Holland's, it was everyone, so that's okay. Uh, but I do like Dawson Knox for all the reasons mentioned earlier, running the same amount of routes, earning more targets, and his targets are more potent and indu inducive for fantasy points than Kincaid's to this point. Um, speaking of a very gross tight end slate, um, I mean, this talk is, to me, Karen. I don't talk even hate me, it, but this is not Julian Hill. I'll say that. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I was thinking Kincaid, and then – uh bagel just like won that debate so i had to move off that uh and it's like all right well this is so gross right and like i would like to be able to build differently i don't want to have to hang out in the kyron williams chalk zone right i want to go up and get tony pollard and and build a little bit of a different lineup than everyone else this week maybe i go down to tanner hudson and just save as much salary as humanly possible uh I'm getting the Joe Burrows a little bit healthier than we are hoping or than we were, you know, are fearing um, type of type of upside that you're getting a much better version of with Jamar Chase or even Tyler Boyd. But he just kind of allows me to to maybe fit some guys in. And who am I fading? Right. Like <laughs> that's very true. Who are you fading? That is a great point. At, at that price. 
you're basically just playing him over Julian Hill, as I mentioned, who ran the second most routes for the Dolphins last week. But it seems like no matter what the Dolphins do at tight end, Mike McDaniel is still just feeding the targets to the best players. Like anyone, I know Craycraft got injured, but anyone with Craycraft wasn't going to get there anyways. Like Tyreek got 39% of the targets and the running backs combined for 39% of the targets. That's where the ball goes. You don't get the ball if you're not good. So I would also Tanner say, Hudson over Julian Hill, yes. Julian Hill, I think, played more because Durham Smythe was dealing with an injury uh, last week. And then McDaniel mentioned that that Hill was like in on some packages that they liked for that game. So like Hill could like I think, you know, we're, I'm dropping Smythe in my high stakes stuff, you know, turning him out. But um, I don't I don't really trust the Hill routes from last week. I think they could come way down. Whereas Hudson seems like, you know, he'll be out there 60 percent of the time. I only mention them because people will get there. They'll get to a Stoneman tight end playing with the Dolphins running the routes now, and they'll naturally yeah. just try to bring them along in the high-size scoring, highest projected scoring game of the week. And that's why I'm saying Hudson Overhill for sure. Wait, you say you saying people are going to get to a Stoneman tight end this week? I think they would get to Hill if they're trying to get cute. Not a lot of people, but that's where they'll go. They'll drop down from Chig and Knox, and instead go to Stoneman Julian Hill. Okay, because I, I was going to say to to actually support what Crane was saying in terms of like, you know, who are you fading a tight end? I will say, especially on DraftKings, we're never, we never want to take a zero per se, but completely punting a salary, especially a tight end, just to get up to another stud. The ceiling of that play is a lot higher than taking like a, a mid tight end and just forcing in some other mid player. Like if if Hudson gets you to like, I don't know if even know if it works, but just for example, Tyreek CMC and Jamar when no one else can fit three studs, like that makes it worth it. Um, that makes the ceiling of your lineup way higher. So I, I think people sometimes are really, really scared to really punt to do a true punt because like you might just be taking two points, but guess what? People win million million makers with zeros in their lineups. Um, so just uh, just some food for thought when, when you're building. Um, for cash games, I usually hate living in this range, uh, but like the only true reliable guy we have this week is George Kittle. 6,300 Fanduel, like that's usually okay, but this 5,100 salary on DK is always really gross. Um, the salary is just really funky this week on DraftKings, and there's a lot of four wide receiver builds in the optimal, which is not something we do a lot in cash. So, Kittle might work on both sides. Debo Samuel may be out. Uh, George Kittle third in target share going into the week at tight end with 21%. We saw him with 27 last week while Ayuk was out. Arizona um, is last in schedule. is just points allowed to quarterbacks. So hopefully we get some trickle down to Kittle there. We have him as a top two value on both sides, the top tight end on FanDuel. As Corrine would know, because he won $2 million because Debo Samuel got injured. And the four games that Debo was out last year, Kittle, 24% yeah. target share, 16.6 PPR points per game, led the league in scoring touchdowns in that stretch. He had a decent little run in the fantasy playoffs, to say the least. I, I don't know how you don't fit him in if Debo's ruled out. I don't know how I get off him. Even at, let's, let's say it's 60%. It's not going to get there. I don't know how you do not play him if Debo's ruled out. But know. how are you building? Because we won't. We are you just hoping we'll have like clarity before the one PM's kickoff? Maybe you build it in since we haven't. Debo was DMP on today, right? The good. 
or limited? Uh, uh, he he went to limited today. DMP Wednesday, right. Thursday, limited today. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- I, I would say if you're building with Kittle late, um, just have another player in the flex. You know, have another late player in the flex and, and have some double and just think about some double swaps late. Um, you know, if is, was that your question, Grant? Yeah. Like, how are you building since well, he's late? It sounds like Daigle's trying to do 49ers doubles, which which I like, but if you're right. But I guess you could just take it to a single if Debo goes and right, yeah. right, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll just just have some some funky doubles. Um, you'll you'll one, probably one, know, you'll end up with a girls tight end. But funky one more question before we get out of here too, because Miles Sanders downgraded to DMP on Friday. Uh, if we lose Sanders, Chuba Hubbard is practically minimum on both sides. He's going to get yeah. played. I don't care about playing Hubbard. Let's not even talk about that. Everyone can figure out themselves. What yeah, I we, want to know is, and you're thinking on the spot. I want to know is who do you think gets lost in builds? Who do people then come off of if Hubbard is the starter? Because that's the player I want to gravitate to. So let's say you're at you're at uh, Alexander Madison 5800, and then suddenly you get 4800 Chuba Hubbard on DraftKings. So you're right. coming down. How do the builds change? Do then does ownership then gravitate to Diggs Tyreek doubles because you can now afford it with Hubbard? What is the most rostered stack at that point? Because I want to know ahead of time so that I can be prepared for it to go to popular players who are then not popular. This is the way I my think, brain well, works. Yeah. I mean, I think like the Zach Moss, like That's that, he gets, he cut gets out squeezed pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 That's good. Maybe, then. maybe, and maybe Javante. Javante. Yeah. I think Madison, yeah. Madison gets squeezed. I think Madison's getting played. I think people really? are playing. Okay. Yeah. Zach yeah. Moss getting lost is interesting because I do yeah. think he's an amazing play, even like right now in ownership. And he's not even going to be that high rostered. Yeah, he he makes the most sense. Him and Javante, yeah. I think it squeezed the most. But uh obviously we have Honestly, to like, think about that more. Given that I want to play Pollard, I kind of want Sanders to go because I think that's that's the type of guy you could see maybe more of, right? You have that extra salary. Yeah. You go from like two of those guys in the six K range to like a Pollard and a Hubbard and Ayuk Kittle would be interesting then. Because Hubbard would probably let cash games for sure get up to McCaffrey. And then that trickles down into tournament builds. So then we try to pivot off with a passing game instead. We're about we're about one pivot away from uh chat asking us to just do a lineup building show every week. So we better, <laughs> we better bail pretty damn quick. Uh, let's throw out um just give your defenses real quick, Corinne. <laughs> uh I'll do the Texans. Uh just I, I talked about how I, I'm not. I'm not really in, that into um, it. And so, yeah, just bet against it. Daigle? The minimum defense I like quite a bit this week is the Panthers. Uh, the Vikings, obviously, leading the league in dropbacks. So we have volume going for us. And I know the Panthers are banged up, but the Vikings are also coming off 78 plays. Um, and the Panthers are back at home. So it's just kind of, you're taking the volume here. Uh, Even against the Saints, at least, the Panthers hung around and covered the spread. They only lost by three points in a tight one. So I think you could sneak into Panthers at at a pretty low cost. Yeah. um, On, especially over on DraftKings, Browns are just like the obvious 
uh, cash game defense, the best defense in the league at 2,800. It's pretty much a no brainer. Baltimore 25th in adjusted sack rate allowed Cleveland getting after the passer at the ninth best rate um, when adjusted. So uh, just throw rounds and catch. It's pretty easy. Uh, as always, we thank you all the viewers and listeners much appreciated for you guys sticking around. Or if you are listening uh, throughout the weekend, uh, appreciate that as well. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please give us a five-star rating review. It's the easiest way to give back to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, make sure you hit those alerts. So, you know, when we are going live and if you haven't signed up for four for four yet, make sure you check out the description in the YouTube uh, description. We have the 25% off YouTube code there. The code is YouTube at 44.com slash plans. Make sure after you do that, you upgrade to the solver and you get access to the best optimizer in DFS. And finally, make sure you click that legendary upside link. Karain has a lot of stuff going on over there. Karain, remind everybody what you got going on at legendary upside. Yeah, I've got the walkthrough this uh, big old game by game preview. You can check out lots of great advanced stats in there. Um, I think it's helpful for DFS, but also if you're doing, you know, any of the, the pick'em stuff, uh, prop betting, setting your lineups, it's kind of multi-use that way. Uh, if you're into audio, which I assume you are, you're listening to this, um, I narrate the podcast. I narrate the article as a podcast. Uh, you can check that out. A free preview of that on the Legendary Upside podcast, wherever you get your podcast. But if you are a premium subscriber, then you get the whole thing narrated, uh, which can, you know, nice, nice little uh, thing to take on the go this weekend as you prep for your DFS. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Daigle. You're muted. But you don't have little Caesars ads with my voice. <laughs> I, those are no. the, those fire, fire, fire. <laughs> no. Your podcast. <laughs> um, go away. Yeah, tons of uh, tons of great data in there, and everybody loves uh, you know the fresh, sexy data viz. But I'm a big fan of old school heat maps for uh, for matchups, especially you know for for DFS fantasy matchups. And Korean has a lot of really easy to digest uh, heat maps uh, for the matchups in there, so it's it's really awesome. Uh, make sure you are following him and us on X slash Twitter. Pat is at Pat Crane, Legendary Upside at Legendary Upside. Daigle is at not Jay Daigle. Four for four is at four for four football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys Sunday morning in the Discord.